Welcome back to another episode of Cerberus. Um, Thank you so much for listening tonight. I just want to, as always, tell you how grateful I am for you for listening and how grateful I am for everything that we have in this world and how wonderful this world is. Tonight, I have a few topics I'd like to talk about, and they're kind of simple topics, Um, one of which is actually kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, I have been speaking to my mother a lot lately about finding confidence in yourself and trying to see who you are past what you think you are. And one thing that's really nice and that I enjoy is, I don't know if you know this, but every cell in your body will replace itself over the span of seven years. So seven years from today, you are 100% different than you were today. And to me, that's very comforting um, because I've had some things happen in my life. And it's very refreshing to know that those things didn't happen to this version of me. They happened to the old version of me. And I can evolve and I can move forward knowing that that's the past and not my future. And part of finding your self-worth and finding who you truly are just really involves a lot of self-reflection. And in speaking with my mother, she's in a very unique situation. And um, I'm not going to get into it because I don't imagine she would enjoy me spilling her secrets over podcast of my, my few listeners and my beloved listeners. But hopefully she'll become one of my beloved listeners one of these days. Um, but I was telling her something that I had read that I found to be so inspiring and so flabbergasting in my mind. Did you know humans are made of stardust? You are cosmic. You are everything. You are incredible and you are stardust. And it's not just, you know, a phrase or something to put on a t-shirt or something to hang on your wall. It's true. Um, Stars basically create elements inside of them. And when they explode, when they go supernova, they release those elements and those become seeds for new stars. And way back when the Big Bang or the beginning of the universe, whatever you want to call it, happened, stars were formed. And the larger the stars are, the more arid and kind of separate, separated the elements are. So you get like hydrogen and you get, um, you know, some of the smaller elements in those. You get carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. 
And essentially, these are the building blocks of life. In, in fact, um, they're considered the crucial elements of life. They're a lot of times um, abbreviated with CHNOPS, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur. And these are in a huge abundance inside of stars. And so when the Big Bang happened and everything exploded out into presence without the nothingness, um, these stars started creating these elements. And as they went supernova, and they created the seeds for the future stars, and those stars created more elements in them and went supernova and created more stars, the elements became denser. Nearly every element on the table of elements was created in a star. Anything except for the man-made ones, of course. Um, but typically speaking, those elements are inside of us. And you have nitrogen in you, you have oxygen in you, you have water, which is made up of hydrogen and oxygen. And you are made up of stars. Stardust is inside of you. Now, with that being said, um, you can in fact see the elements abundance through a method called spectro spectroscopy. P spectroscopy, ha, let me say that three times fast. Um, and that you can look at a star and basically measure the depth of the dark and bright patches in the star's light spectrum, and you can tell what it's made of. Basically, um, researchers will basically collect light in the infrared part of the electromagnetic spectrum, and then they disperse it like a prism, kind of like how we talked about with the colors, prisms, and they can see what the stars are made up of. And so, essentially, um, that's just looking at future people, looking at future bits of matter, because from stars, they're created denser and denser objects, and then eventually asteroids, which collided to create planets, and on those planets, life. So everything originates back to stardust. And so you look up at the stars in the sky and you see their brilliance, knowing that some of those stars are not even there anymore. It takes millions and millions of light years for that light to reach the Earth. And for you to be alive at this very moment and to be able to see that very speck of light is almost a mathematical impossibility. The fact that you exist now and that you have function and that you have life and a purpose, it's beautiful. It's almost a miracle. The fact that everything that has happened until now for you to be here it had to have been meant to be. It had to have a specific star explode at a specific time and a specific velocity to create the additional seeds for the other stars, for the astro asteroids that then created the planets. You are meant to be here and you are special and everything that happens, happens for a reason. And so this is just proof 
that you are cosmically blessed, that you are cosmically meant to be here. You have a purpose and you are more than you think you are. It goes back millennia because energy, it doesn't cease to exist. It simply changes form. And so there's a finite amount of energy in this universe and you are walking energy and stardust and don't ever forget it. And that is something I, I said to my mother the other day. And she's one who, she feels that her life is meant to serve others and not herself. That she should always choose others before herself. And she's a mother, so I can understand where she would get that idea from. But she's raised her two children. She's raised her husband's children. The last one will be leaving, well, not really leaving the coop, but graduating high school here shortly, if he hasn't already, because um, it is June. But she's raised children. She's done so for, gosh, 36 years, 35 years. I forget how old my brother is sometimes. Um, she's done it for 35 years. She's done that, and she feels that that was her purpose. And I spoke to her and I told her, that's not your purpose. Your purpose was not just to raise children. Your purpose is to make others happy and to touch everyone else's life and to let them touch yours, to leave this world in a better place than how you found it. And yes, her having raised the children that she's raised, myself included, is a huge impact on this world. Everything that I do, everything my brother does, everything that her husband's children do, that is an impact on this world that may not have happened if she hadn't been there to pick you up when they scrape their knee, to teach them how to live in this world, to teach all of us right from wrong. And now that she no longer needs to play the mother card, or she does, I mean, I will always need my mom. I'm 32 years old and I'm here to tell you I always will need my mom. I love my mom. I call her regularly because I need her. She gives me advice on things in my life. She tells me everything's going to be okay when I'm freaking out. And so yes, she does have that hat if you will, of mother. But there's more to life than that. And now that all of the kids are out of high school, and some of the kids that she currently cares for are in college, she can start to look at what makes her happy. What makes Mama Bear happy? What is going to bring her joy past the rearing of children? Because at this point, it's time for all of them to make their own decisions and see what they're going to do in life. And so it's just one of those things where she's stuck in a rut and she's not sure what she wants to do with herself. And she doesn't know how to take care of herself above others. And I'm trying to encourage her to remember that she is wonderful. She is magnificent and she is more than just a mom. 
And I think a lot of moms have this problem with this sort of almost dysphoria of not understanding what to do once the children are old enough to take care of themselves, not knowing, you know, what their purpose is after that. And she in particular has had to deal with this twice. My brother and I, we grew up, we graduated high school, we moved out, we did our own thing. And then she met her husband and married him and um, circumstances made it so that they ended up with his children. Um, they were younger. All of them were, gosh, I don't know how old the oldest was, but she was still in high school, I want to say. And possibly not, possibly just out of high school. It doesn't matter. But he has several children, and so she immediately revamped into mom mode and took care of the kids and, you know, made sure that they knew right from wrong and knew how to do the things that you need to do as an adult. And she doesn't know what to do other than that. She just, she just doesn't. She's been a mother full time pretty much since 1986. And that's a really long time. So it's a message to her and to other people out there that your worth is not just in one thing. Your worth is in many things and your worth is in what you feel fulfills you, whatever it might be. Maybe you're fulfilled by painting or by just making other people smile, by caring for animals, by volunteering, everything you do that fulfills you, that adds to this world and the good energy around you, it's a plus. It's, it's something that wasn't there before. And so I encourage everyone, go out, do something good in, in this world. Give your time to a, a shelter, an animal shelter, or to a nursing home. Um, help people in any way you can. Um, just volunteer where you can. Pick up along the side of the road if you see trash, if it's safe to do so. Um, clean up in a neighborhood park or, or just, just do something nice for someone else around you for no reason other than that it was something nice. And you'll feel different. You'll understand that our place in this world is not just for us, it's for everyone around us. We are connected. And it's like branches of a tree. We are all connected. What affects us affects everyone else. You're not just one lone little leaf in the wind. You have a support system here, whether you realize it or not. There are people who love you. I haven't met you, but I love you. And I am here for you if you need to speak to someone. I am always here. And I hope you understand that. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about, um, I found a picture of myself on Facebook the other day. And now I grew up in this tiny little town in Texas. Can't really hear my accent that well, but it's there. It just takes me getting really, really tired, really, really angry, or really, really drunk. And then you'll understand that this girl's from the deep south. 
and occasionally it pops out, especially when I talk about it. My family's from Tennessee. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Virginia. Now I'm in Florida. So my, my accent is kind of a mixture of all of that. When I talk to my mother on the phone or my brother, um, it, it takes a while for it to kind of <laughs> come back out of my voice. But um, little tiny town in Texas. It's not on some maps. Literally 378 people live there right now. It's so small that it's maybe five streets wide or long. It's so small that all the schools are in neighboring towns. Even though um, the high school is named after the little tiny town that I'm from, it's technically in the next town over. Like part of the high school is in that town. Just part of it. And we went to this little church, um, Violet Baptist Church. It's a Southern Baptist church. Now, with that being said, there is a difference between Baptist and Southern Baptist. Baptist is, well, you know, typical Baptist. You go to church, they sing, they do their thing. They're all about the fellowship and things of that nature, and they try to do outreach and things of that. Southern Baptist does all of that. Plus, you have the aspect of people who are very Southern. So you get some judgmentalness. You get some very intense people. Um, you get that Southern hospitality. There's always food in the kitchen. There's always someone willing to cook for someone else, willing to go over and help you with your, uh, with your farm or your cattle or what have you, someone that's willing to watch your kids, things of that nature. All wonderful good things. And there's also some not so wonderful good things, you know, such as bigotry and, you know, small-mindedness. But one of the things that kind of stuck out to me in the picture that I saw, it was at the church that we went to. And it was myself and some of the people that I knew at the time I think I was all of seven, eight in the picture. And my little chubby cheeks and my horrible haircut that my mom always told me looked so cute. I do not look good in bangs, I'm just saying. Bangs are not my, my strong suit. And so um, I uh, saw in the picture Brother Harold. And Brother Harold is the holiest man I have ever met in my life. Now, I don't mean that necessarily from a Christian standpoint. I mean that from a spiritual standpoint. That man exuded goodness. There was nothing about him that was awful. There was nothing about him that was judgmental. He was the most open-minded person I think I've ever met. And he was the most loving person you'll ever meet. Love and joy and goodness just rolled off of him like water. And his is the first aura I ever saw in my life. I didn't know what it was at the time, but as he's up there in the pulpit preaching, I remember distinctly seeing a gold or a silver light around him as he would speak. And even as he's just walking around and just doing things, speaking to people, helping people, um, helping to build someone's home, um, watching someone's child, 
helping the cows from the pasture across the street get back into the pasture and helping the farmer fix his gate because the cows were always getting out and the cows love to go to church and the problem with that is that cows poop a lot like they really do and cow patties are large so <laughs> when the cows decided it was time to come to church it just basically meant we had to watch where we were stepping for the next couple weeks because you're not gonna, you know, take a chance to uh, get rid of the cow patty when it's sitting there fertilizing things, you know? You'll just take it over the field, you stick it in there, you're good. But you still gotta watch where you go. Um, but Brother Harold was one of the most holiest people I've ever met in my life. He just was a wonderful man. In fact, I was such a clumsy kid and mind you, this is the 90s when George the Jungle first came out. Brendan Fraser, um, wonderful movie if you haven't seen it. Um, very, very cute. There's a lot of um, like speculation in, the, in um, I guess, in the internet that I've seen about how George of the Jungle does not objectify women. Um, in fact, you never see Ursula scantily clad or anything of that nature. Um, you see George that way and he talks about George you know wearing the little flowers because he wants to feel pretty and the objectification of a man versus the objectification of a woman yet he is still able to um, save the day in a way because Ursula saves herself as well but that's neither here nor there um, I was so clumsy that brother Harold actually called me George that was my nickname for a little while because I constantly ran into things. So if he'd be like, hey George, how you doing? And I, of course, would be like, hi, and then I'd run into something. It's just how I am. But talking about Brother Harold, um, one thing that always stuck out about him was Wednesday night church service we had, basically we had a potluck, everyone would bring some food, and we'd sit and we'd have a Wednesday night church service. And before Brother Harold and their family moved on from Vilot, um, Brother Harold did a series on different religions. Um, anything that was a major religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, um, a lot of different religions and different types of Christianity. From Because Baptist is a Protestant, version of Christianity. He covered different ones from Mormonism to um, Catholicism to, of course, Baptist, which is what we were, and just different forms of worshiping God. And what I found very interesting was what he showed did, of course, have a religious spin on it, because, of course, it was a Southern Baptist church, but it was very informative on what God or gods does this religion worship? What do they believe? What do they feel? What do they stand for? What are common misconceptions for these religions? For instance, um, a lot of people um, in today's day and age here in the United States feel that Islam is not a very peaceful religion because of what the media and what misrepresentation have been that people have seen 
but it's one of the most peace-loving and caring religions. Like, people in Is that are Muslim, they are meant to care for others. It's just a very few that believe in things that are against what the general core teachings are. And I feel that most religions have that core teaching of do what is right for others and for the world. Um, Buddhism has that same sort of, you know, do what is right. Um, don't hurt other people. Um, a lot of these religions have that. And when that was all said and done, and we went through the whole series and we learned about all the religions and everyone in the church was curious as to why he had done that. Um, if not just to the adults, I think thought it was to warn you against the other religions so that you can fight the good fight and convert them all. But what a lot of people didn't realize is he took the youth aside after this and he told us all, he said, there are many ways to God. There are many ways to faith and you can choose what works for you. And if you don't choose the path that we are on, it's okay because all of it is the same. It is all God. And that's what he told us. Now, I don't know if that's the reason why he moved to a different church. I don't know if anyone ever got back to him about that or told anyone about that. I felt that it was the most, I can't think of the right word. It, it was game changing for me because I'm young and I moved from Texas when I was 10 or 11. And to be told that I have a choice in my future and in my thoughts and in my religious choice at such a young age, it just really stuck with me because my parents were very religious. You have to understand at that time and not when we moved to Virginia, things got a little less um, strict simply because living in a very small town kind of gives you that small town mentality. But I wasn't allowed to watch or listen to anything that was not approved by the church or that was something my mother approved of. Um, so I, I listened to a lot of oldies growing up. Um, I vividly remember um, dancing in the living room to the song Aquarius and my mom loved John Denver, so we'd run around singing John Denver. And I remember sliding across the linoleum floor in my socks, listening to records playing of, gosh, all kinds of things. The Amer American Graffiti soundtrack. And she had, I want to say, was it Star Trek The Motion Picture? Yeah, the Star Trek movie with V'ger. I think that was the motion picture. Um the soundtrack on record is a 40 not a 45 um an lp and we would listen to that too and so that's the kind of stuff i was exposed to so nothing with any kind of major violence i mean i jurassic park and star wars don't really count for that um because i did grow up watching star wars it's one of my greatest loves in this entire world is star wars 
um, and Jurassic Park when it came out when I was a little older I was allowed to watch it because it came out when I was a little younger but I do love those movies um, but anything that wasn't approved by my parents or approved by the church I could not watch I could not read Harry Potter I could not watch different shows on the Disney Channel I could not watch certain things on the Discovery Channel because it was not okay, quote unquote, for someone my age, or it wasn't approved by the church, or it would preach things that the church did not believe in. For instance, the Big Bang. So being told, especially by an authority figure like the pastor at the church, who not only was the one who baptized me, but was also a family friend, and who was right there toiling along everyone else when helping other people in the church, when um, helping people to build a barn or a shed, who would bring food to the needy and the elderly and the sick. For this man, this holy, holy man, to just say, you have a choice. It just, it blew me away. And it has stuck with me all of these years that all paths lead to whatever you believe is God. I myself um, believe all gods are one God. Um, some people may not even believe in God. Some people may believe in their own self, their own power. More power to you. Whatever you feel is your higher calling, your higher learning, your higher being, whatever it might be, it's okay and you have that choice and to be told that at such a young age just blew me away and part of the reason why that kind of came to me in addition to finding that picture which I will never um, post ever again um, it comes up on my memories once a year I will never post it again someone tagged me in it uh, um, I will let certain few people see it because it's awful, uh, but, whew, excuse me, it's getting a little late and I've been up since early, but the idea of holiness, you can find holiness in the wind, you can find it in a little old lady that takes care of a kitten. You can find it in the water. You can find it in a friend that stops to give you a candy out of their jar. In the person that stops on the side of the road to make sure you're okay when you've broken down. People are good inherently. And that to me is what holiness is, is goodness. Also, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups on, well, Facebook, about witches and witchcraft and paganism and things of that nature. And with that whole you have a choice thing being said, I also want you to understand that while, yes, I identify as a practicing witch, witchcraft is not a religion. Witchcraft is a practice. Witchcraft can be done by anyone from any religion. I have known Christian witches. I've known agnostic witches. 
um, I've spoken to, I don't know personally, a Hindu witch, um, also on Facebook. But there are a lot of different religions out there, and you can practice any religion that you want because witchcraft is not a religion. It is a practice. It is the practice of gaining knowledge and using that for the betterment of others and yourself. Witchcraft in and of itself is, in fact, um, simply a means of producing whatever you may feel is right. I use it as a way of worship. Others may use it as a way to center themselves. But it is a craft, not a religion. And the basic definition of a witch is a woman who gathers knowledge. Um, back in the origination of that term and the terminology, the wise woman or man, because witchcraft has no gender um, or person, would have been considered a witch. Your medicine person, your funny hag in the woods who has herbs hanging in every corner of her house, who just happens to know that, you know, white willow bark if distilled a certain way and drunk the, and if you drink the, uh, the water, the, 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 the tea that you made with it can help take pain away. Who knows that if you suck on cloves, it takes toothache away. Um, who knows that if you take certain pits of fruits, you can make a poison with it. You know, these people would be considered witches. And so I just want people to understand it's not a religion. It is a craft. It is a yearning for knowledge. And so you can be anything you want to be while still identifying as a witch. Now, a Wiccan is someone that follows the Wiccan way. Um, they follow the threefold law and the Wiccan read, but not all witches follow that. Not all witches believe in karma. Not everyone will follow the same path. And in a lot of these groups that I'm in, you see a lot of new witches or even older witches asking, if I do this thing, what will be the result? For instance, can I use X herb in place of Y herb and have the same result? And here's the thing is witches are kind of like alchemists. You just throw a whole bunch of stuff together and it's your intention and your willpower that makes things work. If you are in need of a candle for candle magic, white can literally replace any color. If you are looking for a black candle and you only have white, white it is. Um, it will still work. If you need an herb, a specific herb, but you don't have it, rosemary can be in the place of every herb. If you need a specific kind of oil for something, Lavender can literally work in place of any oil in any spell. It's universal. You can also use olive oil, um, which is a nice carrier for any other essential oil as well. It's not an exact science, and you don't have to use spells in the way that people think that you do. I have never once, not once in my entire time of doing spell work 
and identifying as a witch used a spell out of a spell book. I tried, but it just didn't feel right to me. In fact, using a spell that someone else wrote does not feel right to me, and it doesn't work. I've tried. A friend of mine um, came up with a spell, and it just didn't feel organic. But when we came up with one together, it worked. It was wonderful. And so just understand that it's not based on what other people think. It's all about you. It's about your thoughts, your feelings, your intuition, your, your gut. Whatever you feel is right is right. If you feel a specific path is right for you, follow that path. If you feel a specific thing is something that you need to do, do the thing. Your, your spirit, your gut, your, your mind knows what you need. And just trust yourself. Learn to trust yourself because, again, you are magnificent. You are everything that you are meant to be. And you can achieve everything that you are meant to achieve. You are made of stardust, my loves. You are eternal. And so I will leave you with the thought that you are meant to be, that everything about you is as it is meant to be, and that you will reach your goals, whatever they may be, because that is what you are meant to do. And just remember that you are incredible and that I love you. I love you all more than all the stars in the sky. And if you'd like to speak with me, you can email me at CerberusMagic at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter under Cerber at CerberusMagic. And you can also find me on TikTok under CerbiCerberus um, because that one was up before I decided on my name for this. Uh, but if you'd like to contact me or follow me, you can follow me and or message me on any of those three platforms. Please do so. Um, sometimes I post something interesting. Sometimes I might be boring. But either way, it lets me know that you're there and that you're listening. And just I hope everyone has a wonderful evening, a very blessed Thursday. Have a wonderful week. And I will see you next week. Good night, my loves.